if you would, to <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. As you hopefully know, <clears throat> this coming Thursday is uh, Thanksgiving. If you haven't, <clears throat> then you know now. Uh, <clears throat> the original Thanksgiving was basically a celebration of the goodness of God that brought a successful harvest and that uh, <clears throat> the pilgrims, if you would, uh, were giving thanks to God for uh, for their sustenance. And um, that is what the first Thanksgiving is really all about. If you if you go back and read the the accounts, the the first winter uh, was pretty brutal, and the fact that they were able to survive, and um, uh, God was obviously very very good to them. Thankfulness is something that is getting more and more difficult to find in our society today, is it not? <clears throat> Between uh, our 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 people, and when I say our people, I'm talking about our country, our country being divided politically um, like never before. Uh, sports events turn into brawls. <clears throat> and, you know, families are, are at, at, ugh, at odds with each other like never before. Uh, it, is a, it is getting harder uh, to find thankfulness in our country and I'm glad that we have a day that we put a put aside for that but thankfulness I don't know if you realize it or not but thankfulness is a prominent theme within the Bible I want to share with you a couple verses in first Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 15 to 18 it says see uh, that none render evil for evil unto any man but uh, <clears throat> but ever follow that which is good both among themselves and to all men rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for it is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In other words, the will of God for every believer is to be thankful. Psalm chapter 136, verses 1 through 3. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto the un, unto the God of gods, <clears throat> for His mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for His mercy endureth forever. <clears throat> Did you know that being unthankful is mentioned by Paul uh, in what he calls the last days? Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, uh, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of that which is good, traitor, traitors, heady-minded, excuse me, heady, high-minded, uh, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of uh, godliness and denying the power thereof from such turn away. I have a question for you this morning. <clears throat> Would you agree with the statement I'm about to say? Just, just think about this. 
Thankfulness is a choice. Would you agree with that? Okay. I, I, I hope you do because that's exactly what it is. We choose whether or not to be thankful. The title of my message is this, the choices that we make, the choices we make. Uh, again, thankfulness is a choice. Let's read the closing three verses of Second Thessalonians, starting in verse 16. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. The Lord be with you all. The salutation of Paul with mine own hand, which is the token in every epistle. So I write, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Let's pray just this morning. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for your precious love. Thank you for the word of God that can change lives. And I want to thank you again for this week, this day that we put aside to thank you for all that you do in our lives. It's not about Black Friday. It's not about eating and food, but it's about giving thanks. Lord, I ask as we come to you this morning, we are needy people. And Lord, help us to choose wisely. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In verse 17, I want to draw your attention here very quickly because Paul says something very interesting here in verse 17. He says, uh, the salutation of Paul uh, with my own hand, which is the token in every epistle, so I write. So Paul mentions here something very interesting, the fact that with his own hand. See, Paul... <clears throat> dictated all the all the the uh, Pauline epistles, all the all the books that he wrote that that we call scripture. Um, he dictated. He didn't he didn't write it with his own hand. So by making this statement, is making a significant statement to the believers there in Thessalonica, so that they knew it was signed by Paul. And, he, and, and what he's saying here is this. Uh, it's a token of every, uh, in every epistle so that when, when he would dictate what he was feeling the Holy Spirit telling him to dictate, then at the end he would sign it as an authenticity that it was coming from him. It's it, just an interesting thing. I don't know if you realize it or not, but this is it, it is statements like this throughout his writings that most theologians believe that Paul had Paul his thorn in the flesh was some kind of eye problem where he couldn't see well enough to be able to write these letters that's why he had to dictate them and he always had companions with him to help him get around um, so most most theologians believe that his thorn in the flesh was uh, an eye, eye problem of some sort um, but in the, in, in the closing three verses here, he gives us three things that we should be thankful for. Three things that, he, that we should be thankful for. And this morning, I, I hope that all three of these things, that you will take them home and that you will 
meditate on those and that you will this next week of Thanksgiving that you will not only meditate on them but that but that you will take them to heart and bring them and make them a part of your life. The first one that he tells us in verse 16, point number one, accept God's peace. Accept God's peace. Verse 16, now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always by all means. Accept God's peace. Paul very clearly reminds us that God's peace is not automatic. It is, it is, God's peace is something that we need to choose to accept. It, it is something that we need to bring into our lives. Um, Christmas is just around the corner. Um, as If you haven't figured that out either, let me help you. Um, if you haven't started your Christmas shopping, you probably should, okay? Um, <clears throat> just saying. Um, but peace is a huge part of the Christmas story. I want to read a section, a, a portion of the Christmas story, uh, and peace is right at the center of, of the Christmas story. In Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14, it says, And there were in the, in, in the same country shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, and behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. You get that, that, those two words, all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this sign shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, I want to ask you a question. Were the angels... And the, the heavenly hosts there, were they saying, hey, from this point forward, there are going to be no more wars on earth? Absolutely not. Because what have we had? <laughs> We've had a lot of them. <clears throat> so that is not the kind of peace that he was talking about. Peace... I found this definition. I wanted to share it with you because I believe that this is a, is a wonderful definition of what peace is. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God no matter what the conflict. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God no matter what the conflict is. Because we, are, we live in a world that... <clears throat> is is under constant threat of war. Conflict all over the world, all the time. I mentioned at the beginning the, the division within our country through politics and, and sporting events and all of this stuff and, and, and conflict within families. How can we have peace in the midst of all that? Well, it's actually pretty easy. It's the presence of God. 
in our lives. Psalm chapter 145, verse 18. The Lord is nigh unto to all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. One of my favorite stories, <clears throat> or, or I, I don't know stories, but pictures in Scripture of what true peace is, is found in Acts chapter 12. I want to share this with you because I believe that this story embodies what peace is. Acts chapter 12, let's start reading in verse 4. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants. Anyway, you, you you can see it of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, kept in prison, but prayer was made without, without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod uh, <clears throat> would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and, and, uh, 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 and raised uh, him up, saying, Arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garments about thee and follow me. You say, okay, what, I, I don't, what, what do you mean peace? Where is peace in that? Peter is, is being guarded by four, anyway, whatever that word is, <clears throat> quadrinians or whatever. But basically what that is, a quadrinian, if I'm saying that right, is, is four soldiers. So this is four quadrinians. So that means he's being guarded by 16 soldiers. 16 soldiers under the penalty of death. If Peter gets away, guess what happens? Okay? So that he's being guarded by 16 soldiers. He is chained to two of them. And knowing what is going to happen in the morning, he knows. The church knew. They were, they were holding an all-night prayer vigil for Peter. And Peter, knowing that he, his head was going to be cut off in the morning, sat up wringing his hands saying, Oh God, what am I going to do? Is that what he did? No. He lay down and had a good night's rest. That, my friend, is peace in the midst of trouble. Not only did Peter lay down and have a good night's sleep, but when the angel came into the room, it said a a great light shone. And Peter still didn't wake up. The angel had to walk over to Peter and kick him. 
said, get up, stupid. That, my friend, is peace. Whenever I think of the peace of God in the midst of troubles, I always think of the story of Peter. We can have peace in the midst of trouble. We can understand what it means to live with peace, the peace of God in our lives. Because the reality is this, we all have troubles in our lives. We all do. But are we going to accept the peace of God? It's a choice that we make. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. Let me me put it to you this way. Verse 7 right here, 21st century vernacular says this. If you can explain the peace in your life, then it's not from God. The peace of God that passeth all understanding. When you're going through a hard thing, when when life is coming down on top of you and your your family and friends see you and they say, and they say to you, how in the world are you going through this with a smile on your face? You can say, it's the peace of God that passeth all understanding. I can't explain it. But I serve the God of peace. How could Peter lay down in a prison being guarded by all these, all these Roman soldiers, being chained to two of them, and lay down and fall asleep so deeply that the angel had to kick him to wake him up? That is the peace of God that passeth all understanding. If we can explain it, then God's not in it. Peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of God, no matter what the conflict. The choices we make. Number one, accept God's peace. Number two, walk in his presence. Look at verse 16 again. Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, by all means. The Lord will be with you all. Walk in his presence. Paul's intent in writing the the letter uh, of 2 Thessalonians was to address problems within the church. We've talked about that as we've gone through the book, and uh, these problems it was it was causing conflict within the people, and there was it was affecting the church's testimony in the in, in the in the city, and Paul was addressing that and and trying to to help the believers understand that they needed to be unified in their in their in their thinking. I want, to, I want to share with you something that I've learned through our study of 2 Thessalonians, and, that, and that's this. If there is trouble in the church, it is because there is trouble in the hearts of people. 
But if Jesus is Lord of our lives, then we will have peace in our lives and peace in the church. If there's conflict within the church, if there's conflict within the family, it's not the family's problem, it's the heart. It's, it's our hearts. <clears throat> Walk in his presence. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. God wants to spend time with us. He has a desire to to fellowship with you just as he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. He stands at the the door of your heart and he, he knocks on that door and he says, Hey, When's the last time you spent time with me in prayer? When's the last time you, you opened the Word of God and, you, and you, you spent time reading the Word of God? What is the result of walking in His presence? I spent some time thinking about that and I, I came up with two verses I wanted to share with you. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10, it says, Then He said unto them, Go your way, eat, Eat the fat and drink of uh, drink the sweet, and and spend and send portions uh, unto them, for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy unto the Lord our God, uh, uh, the Lord unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the of the Lord is your strength. See, when we spend time with the Lord, joy is the fruit of that time. When we spend time in His presence, we can have peace and joy. Again, if we can explain it, God's not in it. We can have we can have joy. Psalm chapter sixteen, verse eleven. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and Thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Not just joy, but fullness of joy. So much joy that it'll be running over. Have you ever met somebody who has got so much joy in their life, they almost make you sick? (laughs) You know? That's, That's what this is talking about. It's like, man, enough already. Quit smiling. But that's what we can have when we spend time with God. How do we walk in His presence? Jesus Himself answered this question. How can we walk in His presence? Those of you that have been coming on Wednesday night, we we covered this passage quite extensively, but I wanted to share it with you because it's a wonderful picture of the love and the goodness of God. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and following, tells a story of a, of a, of a, the, the story that we're about to read is, is a story that could really take place today. In fact, it does take place today. It's a story that if you thought hard enough, maybe you don't even have to think hard, maybe you know immediately that there are people that you know that have lived this story. This is a story that, can, has been repeated 
hundreds if not thousands of times since Jesus told it. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 and following. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his, his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. And he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now I'm going to stop right there. And we talked about this on Wednesday a couple weeks ago. But, but I, I just want you to know, uh, uh, this is a Jewish boy. And probably the most insulting thing for a Jewish boy, not only eating it, but feeding it is even worse. And as we're going to see here, not only does he feed it, but he eats with the pigs. This is, the, this is about the lowest low you can get, okay? Especially for a Jewish boy. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough uh, and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. And I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he saw, <clears throat> excuse me, but when he was a great way off and his father saw him, he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. And, he be and they began to be merry. What brought joy into the home? Two things. Two things. The first one is that it, the Bible says in verse 17 that he says when he, when he came to himself or, or when he realized what he had done. Then he came to his father in verse 21. And the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight. And am no more worthy to be called thy son. First, he realized what he has done. Secondly, he asked for forgiveness. How do we walk with God? Do, are there any of us who have arrived in our lives where we, we, we don't sin or make mistakes? No. No. 
How do we walk with God? Number one, we realize what we've done. Number two, we ask God to forgive us. That's how we walk with God. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It's not on the thing. I just It just popped into my head. <clears throat> if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How do we walk with God? We need to realize what we've done. We need to ask for forgiveness. Number three. <clears throat> Number one, we, uh, we, uh, the choices we make, accept God's peace, walk in God's presence, and then number three, embrace God's grace. Look at verse 18. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Embrace God's grace. What, what an incredible incredible thing that God gives us. God gives us the ability to embrace his grace in our lives. The grace of God is an awesome, awesome thing. I have a picture for you here. It's a, it's a, um, uh, what do you call that? Uh, acronym. Yes. Thank you. It's an acronym of the word grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. Let that sink in for a minute. God's riches at Christ's expense. The grace of God is available to you and I. All we have to do is embrace it and allow it to rule our lives. Titus chapter 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 because it reminds me there is nothing that I can do to earn my way to heaven. There is no, it is the grace of God. We are saved by faith through grace. God's grace brings salvation. There's no, there's, there, there's no way around it. We cannot be saved except by the grace of God, period. But there's something else. Once we do get saved, once we accept Christ into our lives, grace can become a strength in our lives. Earlier I talked about Paul having a thorn in the flesh. And again, most, most people, uh, most theologians believe it was his eyesight. I, I don't know what it was. I truly don't. I don't even pretend to know. Uh, and I think, I think we don't know for a very simple reason. Because the thorn in the flesh for Paul is going to be different than the thorn in the flesh for everybody else. And I believe we all have a thorn in the flesh. I, I just believe that. It's God's way of kind of keeping us humble. <clears throat> and and I, I, I again, I believe that uh, we are not told in Scripture what Paul's is because um, if it was eye problem, then everybody with eye problem would think, oh, that's my thorn. Well, no, it's not. But anyway, that's just my opinion. <clears throat> but Paul, whatever the thorn was, on multiple occasions, Paul begged God to take it away. 
I'm gonna. I'm just gonna share this with you because I believe that one of my thorns. I I, I feel like I have about 600 of them, um, but one of my thorns uh, is my migraines. Uh, I just believe God has allowed them in my life for whatever reason, and I just I deal with it. And I have on multiple occasions begged God to to take them away, and for whatever reason He's chosen not to. And on and and, and Paul here. <clears throat> the portion of scripture we're about to read here, Paul begs and, and asks God to take him away, but then he makes an incredible statement. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, it says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that he's talking about the thorn in the flesh, that it <clears throat> might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says, More, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ might rest upon me. What was Paul saying here? He says, Your grace is my strength. Whatever the, whatever the thorn in the flesh was, God, your grace will get me through. And I will more, more, more than happily put up with the thorn in the flesh so that Christ might be seen in me. See, grace saves. It is by grace that we are saved, but it is through grace that we are strengthened. And I'm going to give you a couple more things that the grace of God does. And I, I honestly did not, I could, I could literally preach probably a half dozen messages just on the grace of God. Maybe even more. I want to give you a couple more, other, uh, couple more things that grace does. His grace comforts us in times of need. It encourages us when we need encouraging. It keeps us. And, and, and the list can go on and on and on. The grace of God. But it's out there. All we need to do is choose to embrace it. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. But the grace of God. Excuse me. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which bestowed upon me, is not in vain, but I labor more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he understood that within himself, he's nothing. But within Christ, he's everything. Everything Paul did, he understood. It was the grace of God working through his life. This Thanksgiving, let's choose to be thankful people. Be thankful for the things that God has done in your life. We've got a couple minutes. I, turn to Isaiah chapter 51. 
this is not in my notes. It just it's just something I, I want to share. I want to share with you my favorite verse in, in Scripture. And the reason I, I, I love this verse is it, it constantly reminds me that I need to be thankful for what God's done in my life. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn, and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. And, and I share this verse with a lot of people, and they oftentimes they look at me and they say, what does that mean? Well, let me share it with you, what it means to me. It says, hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. I like to think of myself as somebody who is trying his best to seek the Lord. So I believe what, what follows here, um, uh, God is saying to me, Ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord, look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. What does that mean? Well, my question is this. Who's the rock? Jesus Christ is the rock. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn. And to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. What in the world does that mean? <laughs> well, to the best of my understanding, it means this. The pit is humanity. And the whole of the pit is my little part of humanity. And God dug me out of that pit and saved my soul. And I need to be thankful to the rock from whence I was hewn. And the reality is this. If my understanding of this passage is right, and that pit does represent humanity, that means we all have our own little hole that we were dug out of. And if you're saved this morning, Christ, the rock, dug you out of that hole. And we need to be thankful. Remember, never forget what Christ did for us. Look unto the rock from whence you were hewn and to the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. I like to periodically sit down and not glory in what I used to be but I do like to sit down and remember where God has brought me from. That hole in the pit that he dug me out of. I like to sit down and I like to think and be thankful that God has brought me out of the, out of the pit. And I like to look to the rock from whence I was here and, and remember what Christ did for me because Christ is the rock. Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn into the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Never forget what Christ did for you. Never forget where he brought you from. This week, 
with Thanksgiving so close. Spend some time this week remembering where God's brought you from. Remember the hole of the pit from whence you were digged. Spend some time thanking God for what he's done in your life. God is certainly good to us, is he not? Choices that we make. Let's choose wisely. Let's choose to accept God's peace, to walk in his presence, and to embrace his grace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. You, you are so good to us, so kind and so gracious. And you have done so much in our lives, and none of it we deserve. It is the grace of God that passes all understanding. And Lord, I ask that as we conclude our service, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would help us to be more like you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you,